to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Well, hello, everyone. I'm back from London and capital crime in my vacation. I'm so glad so many of you followed me along on my journey as I snap photos on my walking path. I am... I I want you to know I actually lost two pounds after all the food I ate, but I did walk a whole bunch. Um, We're starting off our fall season, and I just want to remind you that there are some wonderful new books out that we're recommending. Uh, Jeffrey Hess has a book out that you've got to read. Joe Badal has a book out. Um, John Rhodes, Glenda Burgess, Connie DeMarco, Shannon Kirk, who I'll be speaking to tomorrow. And my guest today is Anne Lee Parrish. Let me tell you a little bit about Anne. I'm going to try to summarize all of her writing. It's almost impossible. She is, um, the book that we're going to speak about today, Maggie's Ruse, is her fourth published fiction novel, sixth published book, but she has literally hundreds and hundreds of publications in fiction, in essays, and in poetry. Um, even though she was an economics major in college, um, she kind of found her way to writing. Um, I swear she was came out of the womb with a pen and paper. She laughed and said, no, not quite. But it is my pleasure to welcome to Authors on the Air, author Anne Lee Parrish. And welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I want to, first of all, acknowledge that you are a writer in the Pacific Northwest, and from that area are some of the best writers around. Do you agree? I think so. I I think we all look to... uh, I think of the, the, the father literary figure of our area, Raymond Carver. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and Yes, so I agree, absolutely. If I could be in his uh, company, that's marvelous. There you go. Um, now, congratulations on the release of Maggie's Roots. This is your fourth fiction novel, but, not, but your sixth book. Will you explain seventh. that to me, please? Seventh book, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, explain. well... My first two books were each a collection of short stories, um, wow. and that the first one came out in 2011, and the second came out in 2013. And that second title that was published by She Writes Press, and as you know, they are affiliated with Sparkpoint Studio, yes. um, that was a linked short story collection featuring the Dugan family. And the Dugan family has appeared in some guise or another in not all of my titles, but certainly Maggie's Ruse, the twin girls, are Maggie and Marta Dugan. They are part of that family. Um, And then I had a third short story collection published by Unsolicited Press. They are my current publisher. That appeared in 2017. So four novels, three short story collections, and that makes the total of seven. 
Wow. You know, it, it occurs to me that you must wake up in the morning with uh, your pen ready to go. When I look at how many publications and, and what you've written, um, the list is too long for me to mention, uh, unfortunately, but we can refer everyone to your website. Just in your fiction essays alone, it looks like you have close to 100 essays. Um, and and then you have uh, fiction stories. And then you have essays that you've written for, um, for example, women's writers, women's books, book yes. club, writers' digest. Um, mm-hmm. You are so prolific in your writing. And then you also are a poet. And you've been published in numerous locations uh, for your poetry as well. That um, um, is a recent phenomenon, actually. I didn't start writing poetry until 2017, I want to say. Well, let's kind of wind back to the beginning. I, I mentioned in the intro that you had gone for your undergraduate degree in economics, and um, that's about as far a cry from literature as you are right now. Um, how did how did all this unwind so that you became a writer? Well, to tell you the truth, I probably would have majored in English, but my sister had majored in English, and my father was an English professor at Cornell University, so <laughs> it, that field was pretty deep already in our family, and I really <laughs> felt <laughs> I really felt I needed something that was just mine, and it had nothing to do with literature or books or the arts. So economics, I was good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, I then went and got a master's degree uh, in business administration. I was good at that too, but it really didn't do anything for me. I, it wasn't my thing, as we say. It just wasn't. Yeah. So How interesting. I decided... you, you had left brain and right brain going in overdrive here, and yeah. which is very unusual. Uh, so, uh, so continue. Tell me how you came into writing. Well, when I was young, I did have the idea when I was about seven or eight years old that I wanted to be a writer. I thought Margaret Mitchell was wonderful having written Gone with the Wind. I thought, oh, this is amazing. If you can do this, why not? But I was, again, diverted or uh, initially diverted. I started to study uh, the piano, and I wanted to get into classical piano and, you know, be a pianist and go to Juilliard and all that good stuff. But along about my junior year in high school, I just thought, you know, it's an awful lot of work. It's just too much. It's too stressful. (laughs) So I decided, you know, not to pursue higher education in a music school, but, you know, just to do the regular liberal arts. Um, And in college, what I found I enjoyed was writing the papers and playing with the words and getting the paragraph just so. So it really did begin to dawn on me that maybe that initial idea from when I was young wasn't so bad. Maybe this was something I could do. Didn't get around to even trying till I was 27, which is, I think, is kind of coming a little bit late to it. But yeah, that was 1985. I'm no spring chicken. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I started writing in 1985, and it took a long time, nine years to get my first short story published because it, it just does. You have to keep at it and get better and improve sure. and. You know, um, it's interesting. You think 27 was a late start for writing, and I I know plenty of authors 
who didn't start writing until after their families were grown and they had grandkids and, you know, have done really well with it. And so I don't, I think if it's a passion of yours, it's never too late to get started. Would you agree? I agree. Absolutely. And I do know a lot of people who are jumping in, in their fifties and sixties. They ha- they've had perhaps another career and they're retired or they're getting ready for retirement. This is something they've always wanted to do. So absolutely. It's never too late. So what did you begin writing first? Short stories. And I wrote them for a very, very long time. I didn't attempt a novel uh, for years, for years. I think I attempted something maybe in 2009, 2008. That novel didn't go anywhere. Um, But then I decided I was going to write a novel. Many people said, look, You've been writing stories. They're great stories. They're getting published, and they're winning prizes. Let's see a novel. So I wrote a novel, and that was published in 2014, and that novel is called What is Found, What is Lost? And I know we're not supposed to talk about religion and politics, but that book is full of both, (laughs) so that's something to keep in mind. But well, I mean that's your storyline. We just won't talk about the real real life stuff. Tell the me real about world. <laughs> what, right. We're not going there because that's why there are books. Thank you. Um, yes, tell us I about agree. the first story. And I want to know, you know, short story writing is an art in itself. To be able to do a short story that encapsulates an entire uh, character, event, whatever is really not that easy. Um, Our network published a book of short stories, and many authors that we asked to participate in the anthology said, I don't know how to write a short story. So um, why did you begin with short stories? I think it's because it's what I loved to read. I I would devour the New Yorker magazine when it came every week, and I... I just, of course, I read a lot of novels, but I, you know, getting back to Raymond Carver, I loved his work. I read his collections. Louise Erdrich um, was another writer whose stories I greatly, uh, greatly admire. And I just thought that's what I want to do. So that's where my first efforts were. And for a very long time, I still write short stories, just not as often. Interesting. Um, you write a very lovely type of, of, literary fiction that is generally not in my wheelhouse I'll be the first to admit so when I received Maggie's ruse of course I wanted to read it because I was going to be speaking to you but I found myself kind of really dug into the story so um, you you don't your writing does not feel for lack of a better word snooty to me Um, it feels very relatable And I think maybe that's why I've not been a literary fiction fan. But you kind of turned that on its ear for me. Thank you very much. I'm happy to do it. (laughs) But I do agree Um, with you. I think think a lot of literary fiction uh, can be inaccessible, and it can keep the reader at arm's length. And I, I wholeheartedly, as an artist, feel that that's just not a good idea. You have to bring that reader right in and it, you have to work that partnership, that, that writer-reader partnership and, and make them want to be in the world that you are creating and glad that they're there. And you can't do that if you're keeping them at, at a remove. 
So let's talk about Maggie's Ruse because the story is about twins and the things that go right and the things that go wrong. And, of course, I'm not a twin, and you admitted that you are not either. So you um, borrowed from your imagination, of course, but it felt very authentic to me. Um, Where in the world did you ever think that you wanted to write a story about twins? Well, as I say, this Dugan family, when I was first creating them for the short story that later became the anchor for that collection I mentioned, published in 2012, Mm -hmm. I just came up with this family, and there happened to be a pair of twin girls. The family has five children, the eldest of which, Angie, in fact, and I won't go on about this at length right now, but she is the protagonist of the next book that's coming out in March of 2021, so the saga continues. But this family, as I initially uh, crafted them, had these twin girls that obviously were much younger at that point. Um, And I decided, after I wrote the amendment to the book before, which was all about their mother, that I wanted to stay with the family and that I would write about these girls because I thought, well, they're kind of interesting. They're, They're definitely bizarre. They are uh, unique characters uh, and completely uh, separate individuals, although they're family, because they are identical twins, and I think most people sort of lump them together as this sort of quasi-unit. And they have felt that way, too. They have felt that way about themselves as well. So I just wanted to explore that entire situation. What is it like when there is someone in the world who looks exactly like you? And that sort of serves as the basis of this book, when one impersonates the other, purely on a whim, didn't think about it ahead of time, just went for it, and how it all unfolded from there. Um, Did you, perchance, interview twins for your book? I did not. I did not. I didn't speak to anybody. (laughs) have, Have you had any feedback from twins about your book? You know, I don't think I have. Now, I find that fascinating because, you know, yes, there are twin stories out there, and a lot of them I might add are horror stories, but um, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but I, I was just I'm just curious if you know how twins feel when a story is written about twins and how how they react to it. It would be interesting to find out. I think I'm going to throw that out into social media and see if anybody's, you know, read books on twins, if they are indeed a twin themselves. Be fascinating to hear about. Um, I agree. You write full time. What is your day like? What is your day like, Anne? Well, uh, I work at home. My husband also works at home. He's a lawyer, has his own practice, and he's been working at home since 2005. So we have a a beautiful home in Olympia, Washington. We each have an office across the hall from each other. He goes into his office. I go into my office. He's on the phone a lot um, dealing with clients. I am seldom on the phone. Um, And I just, in the morning, I figure out what I'm going to be focusing on that day. Sometimes I have multiple projects. I'll be working on editing something or a short story, or I'm going to try to move forward a little bit more with a new novel. And I'm also, uh, this fall, a mentor in the AWP Writer to Writer program. That's Associated Writing Programs Mentor, excuse me, Writer to Writer program. So I am working with another writer who is sending me 
her work, so that keeps me quite busy. She is uh, trying to get a novel together. So I'm, I'm editing for her. I read uh, submissions for an online literary magazine called Literary Orphans. And then I have my mm-hmm. own work, as I mentioned, and I've got several things, several things I'm juggling at the same time. And then, you know, just daily life, keeping the house running, right. cooking, cleaning, all that other stuff sure. that keeps us going. So you have a couple projects that you're juggling, um, literary projects that you're writing projects that you're juggling. How do you switch from one to the other uh, without getting tangled up? I just, I don't know. I think if I had tried to do this at an earlier point in my career, it may, might have been more challenging at that point. Mm -hmm. But now Mm -hmm. I just think I've been doing it for so long and I'm so used to it that I really can focus on this cast of people and then just turn it off and move into the next one. Because I have found that if I get stuck with a project, what I used to do is just walk away for a day or two. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to keep keep working and keep the productivity uh, level high. So I just will go to something else for a little bit. Interesting. Do you have ideas for stories floating around in your head all the time? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. You know, especially if I travel. I was just down in Arizona. You know, I'm thinking maybe I should set a story in the desert. I've done that many times before because I love the desert. Um, mm-hmm. A snippet of conversation that I'll overhear in a restaurant that might serve as the basis of a story. Yeah, lots of ideas, lots of things I'm thinking about. So, how do you know what to pull the trigger on? Just what feels right. Um, Now, where a short story is concerned, uh, if I have that central idea, as long as I can see how the story ends, then I know that it's something that I can write. I don't need to know how it starts. I I just need to know how it ends. Novels are a little bit more complicated because they're more theme-based for me. Let's say I want to write about women's rights or my current project is a will be a piece of historical fiction. It's set in the late uh-huh. 1940s, early 1950s. Um, graduate students at Harvard open a bookstore. This is based on my parents' own uh, experience. Uh-huh. So so you know, conceiving of a novel it takes a little bit more. You have to have more details under your belt before you just dive in. I, at least I do. I think there are writers who can just jump and go and, and be confident. But I need to have a, kind of a basic idea of how I'm going to be framing framing a novel. Do you start with your character or do you start with the premise in the story? That's a fascinating question. I think I would have to say both. I, I don't see that I could put one before the other. In that case, but but my work in general tends to be very character driven, uh-huh. uh, character more than plot. Although plot has become more important to me as I've gotten older, so it's sort of a, 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 an, an endless balancing act, is how I'd put it. I, I imagine it is. Um, does your husband read your work? Yes. And what does he think? Is he oh, critical he ever? Well, uh, he, he used to be. He used to because be. he doesn't he want to, to sleep on this. That's because he doesn't want to sleep on the sofa, honey. I'm sorry, but he knows <laughs> the side of the of the bread he's buttered on. I mean, what, there what can go. I say? Uh, there we go. <laughs> no, he he is critical. Um, he finds a lot of my typos. He's a good reader, you know, and oh, he will good. he will point out connections that that I didn't intend to make, but that I have made. Uh, 
you know, almost like a copy editor would. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, so if you were not writing, what would you do? I would have to do something creative. I would probably be a, a visual artist of some kind or a fiber artist. I'd be into weaving perhaps or, gosh, I don't know. But I, I definitely would love to paint. I still That is still something I would like to do. But if I had not... Uh, you know, sat down at a keyboard, I might very well be further along in a painting career by now. Interesting. So you have a lot of different creative parts of you uh, mm-hmm. that are kind of itching to be explored, I would imagine. Yes, yes. Is anybody else in your family creative? Yes, my son is a writer, a good one. Wow. And uh, my daughter is a scientist. She's a microbiologist, uh, but I think she's very creative in her way, too. She loves to knit, and she knits fabulously complicated things. It's sort of that, you know, that that STEM brain at work there. So I think think she's very creative. How wonderful. What do you want people to know about you that we don't know from looking at your website? Well, I'm very liberal. (laughs) That's all I'll say politically. Uh, I love history. I love art. I love culture. Um, I think writing is terribly important because it reminds us of our common humanity. That's what all the arts really do. They, They serve that purpose which is absolutely critical. I think everyone should read good novels, stare at interesting paintings, and think, how did this person create this? Create. And what does it mean? Exactly. What does it mean? Exactly. Yeah. I, it opens the door to our humanity. It connects us with others, doesn't it? Yes. When you are involved, when you, when you involve yourself with the arts in whatever fashion you like I hope that everybody tries everything because uh, you can get so much out of it people who say oh you went to museums oh how boring and you went to the portrait gallery how boring but you know really it's fascinating I ha- I don't have those creative ta- things in my soul I wish I did but you know I can appreciate someone else who can draw or write or, or, or do something like that so you know I, t- I totally agree with you it's an important thing do you think our 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 culture uh, our culture the American culture is getting better about reading? Or, I or, think and, so. And the arts, no, I, I, yeah? I, I think so. You know, there are so many interesting, small, dynamic literary magazines online these days. Yes. Um, yes. I think that people are really quite curious about good writing and there are people who are willing to to put these magazines together on a shoestring they all need support if you ever want to make a donation you know pick your favorite little magazine or independent press and help them out yeah but i do i do think people are very committed to it i do too and it's really wonderful to see isn't it yes it is. Um, any recommendations for aspiring writers since you are now a mentor? Well, I would say if it's something you want to do, you, you definitely need to give it a try. You need to understand that writing well is hard. Writing is hard work, and it takes time to really learn how to express yourself. So you have to be patient. 
You right. have to find someone whose feedback you trust. I'm not talking about mom or Aunt Edna. Find somebody whose feedback you trust. Listen to what they have to say and don't ever get discouraged. It takes a long time to get published. It, 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 it does. Sure does. You know, it, it it really does, and you just have to keep at it and learn all the time. Be open to learning. Boy, that not that the truth? Um, when you look at when you first started writing and where you are now, what do you think of your writing process and your writing itself? I think it's gotten much easier. It feels easier now. It used to be so challenging, really hard and discouraging just to be able to express myself. It feels now almost effortless. It really does. I know that may sound silly, but it's just it's such a joy to do it now. Well, you also know how to write. And there is a learning yes. curve to knowing how to put together stories, I'm assuming. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Wow. How wonderful. And tell us where we can find you on the webs and in social media, please. On Twitter, my handle is at ampersand, Anne, A-N-N-E-L, Parish. That's two R's in Parish. And you are Um, a big tweeter. I know that. You are a firm believer in promotion on on Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, my website actually will devote, uh, not, not devote, refer you uh, to where I can be found. And the website address is simply com. And Lee is L-E-I-G-H. I have to say, listeners, that Anne has one of the loveliest websites that is without all the silly bells and whistles you can actually just go and find out information there and not have to bother by turning off sounds or you know going through this nonsense it's a lovely page everything you need to know about all of Anne's writing from her fiction to her essays to her poetry which we have not had a chance to talk about but hopefully you will come back and we can delve into that too, uh, is all there. Um, her book recommendations, I, I was thrilled to see that you recommended my friend Joe Clifford and Lamentation. He is one of my favorite people and I think a terrific writer. So I'm so glad that you, you put him up there. Um, thank you very much for doing that. And it has been a pleasure to speak to you um, as my first guest back from, from my from my time away I hope you'll come back again and and let's talk more about writing that would be absolutely wonderful and it was a true pleasure for me as well thank you so much Anne and I hope you have a lovely holiday season same to you thank you (laughs) bye-bye bye-bye And folks, I just want to remind you that there are a bunch of great new books out there. Luke Romaine has a book out. Derek McFadden's book will be out in January. Go see Frank Ruffalo. Uh, Ron Earl Phillips reminds me that Alan Leveroni is part of a great, great um, uh, anthology called Chasing China White. You've got to go see that. Um, Jay uh, Bukowski has Rock in a Hard Place. You've got to go look at that one. Um, Allison Brennan has a new book coming out um, in February called The Third to Die. I love that. Um, 
I also want you to remember Brenda Marguerite has a new book coming out in her Medixon way. It's coming in uh, November. Uh, Jamie Mason from Canada has roulette out. Lori Wilde's new series, The Billionaire's Summer Secret, is also uh, available. And Jennifer Snow, my Jennifer Snow, who has an Alaskan Christmas, that's a Wild River novel, book one. And also, under her other name, uh, All the Lovely Pieces, um, Dennis Palumbo's books are available. Uh, Kate Marie Collins, The Inversion of Magic, I highly recommend that. Lala Corrieri, The Traveling Cane. Elizabeth Cratch, The Author's Checklist, and many, many more. Uh, my friend Matt Coyle, who's also my colleague, has Lost Tomorrows coming out in December. If I've missed anyone, please forgive me. I promise you that on my subsequent shows during this week, I will be mentioning you. In the meantime, thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.